1: Hello Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Friday. Today we have an emergency podcast. Yes, this is an emergency podcast. We needed to have another one. So we had Dan Weber on coming on the show, uscfootball.com, beat writer and columnist. He had to come on and answer all the questions. We got a ton of questions overnight. Of course, USC losing 17 to 12 to the Washington Huskies, despite being a two and a half touchdown favorite in the game. Uh, USC falls to three and two, one and two in the conference. And we wanted to bring Dan Weber on to talk about that. And we, I think you guys know our contact information because we've got so many questions this week again. Uh, but if you want to get a hold of us, podcast at uscfootball.com. That's the email address. Uh, website is parastylepodcast.com You can leave a voicemail there or give us a call at 641-715-3900, extension 816-646. If you leave us a question, just realize we do have different shows. So Dan will be on coach Harvey Hyder on. I'll do some solo ones. We'll have recruiting ones. Please be specific of who you're leaving the question for. If you say, hey, everybody, I'm not sure who to direct it to. Everyone's not on the show at the same time. So please be specific. And, of course, you subs- can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Go to iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. All right, we got all that out of the way. I want to bring in Dan Weber. It's an emergency podcast, Dan. We had to come on. We had to talk about what was going on. Uh USC fans very upset uh, of what happened last night at the Coliseum.
2: Yeah, and rightly so. When you're two and a half, uh, touchdown favorite, as you said, and you're lucky to score one touchdown in the whole game, you know, it's hard to win by two and a half touchdowns when you <laughs> only score one. Uh, and it was just, uh, you know, one of those, uh, nights that there were so many things you could second guess about that game. Um, uh, you, you really don't know where to start. And part of the problem is the second guessing goes all the way back to, you know, the hiring of Steve Sarkisian. So if you're second-guessing that from day one, um that second-guess never leaves unless you, you know, you really, you know, to use the baseball analogy, you knock it out of the park. And that hasn't happened with Sark.
1: It has not. And I did a radio interview a little bit earlier today, and they are you know, kind of asking about that. And it's it's true. Fair or not, the way Steve Sarkisian got to this job was – You know, under, you know, there was people that didn't want him there. There was people that just, not even that they didn't like him. Some people didn't. Some people didn't want to have Lane Kiffin 2.0. But it was more about Ed Orgeron and people liked the guy that was there before. So there was a lot of turmoil, I guess you could say, when Sark was hired. And those people that kind of didn't want it to happen then, they're seeing this kind of layout and they're like, I told you so, basically. And even, it's funny, the supporters on the Peristyle, it's actually been pretty good. We thought the the message board on uscfootball.com dot com would be in total meltdown, but people are actually kind of getting along because most people are on the same side of this. Even the most, you know, adamant supporters of Steve Sarkeesian are saying, you know what? I just don't think this is the right guy for the job, and I'm ready to move on. It, it's kind of weird.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think you had you had two camps originally. Uh, well, you can have you could say three. You had the camp that said. Orgeron and his staff had done such a great job, and they really did. That was one of the remarkable coaching jobs ever when they, you know, took over for Lane after that Arizona State game, firing and all that. Uh, and I think an awful lot of us, including me, thought you give those guys another chance. You give them a chance. They stuck together. They they rallied that team around. They maybe didn't have enough players, uh, or they'd have won the Notre Dame game. Uh, you know, the only really, you know, sub- toe was the ucla game but they didn't do it as badly as you know the guys in front of them and behind them did against ucla so uh so there's that and then there was the fact that i don't think people thought it was really a national search and there was the controversy over chris peterson's interview where the idea that you know the story we've all heard is that they went into the interview with peterson who was maybe the only legitimate national person that they talked to uh with a very negative you know cast to the interview about you know what makes you think you could be successful in la and is your personality the right you know and as soon as they got out of that interview essentially they hired zark although there are those who say you know that they kind of had an agreement all along and that's been a problem for Sark. That has not made his job easier. Or, or you know, it's it's so easy for people to go there, and you could be on the camp that oh they should have gone out and hired Nick Saban, or the camp that said oh they should have given Ed another you know year at the very least, and that makes it tough. Sark, that was a tough job coming in here.
1: Yeah, you know, it definitely was. And uh, now you're saying like all, you know a lot of the second guessing, coming back, but people it's almost united the fan base, which is probably not a good sign for Steve Sarkisian. Now he can, you know, win people back over. I think he did just last week against Arizona State going on and, and winning on the road. It's a tough slate of games uh coming up, you know, on the road in Notre Dame, Utah, and Cal. You know, if he sweeps those games, yeah, I mean, I think people will probably be back and you know, realize how much talent this team has and uh you know, they'll probably get a lot of people supporting him again. There'll some that just never will and they'll they'll think this is just going to keep happening over and over again. But there's, there's an opportunity there with the schedule to get things back. And, but one of the things, Dan, we had our conference call with Steve Sarkeesian today and th- he was asked about, did you meet with the players? Cause this is a pretty devastating loss. You're a big home favorite. You lose two games in a row. Like you had mentioned, for the first time since 2001, you know, Pete Carroll's first year. Um, you know, that really doesn't happen at the Coliseum. But he had an opportunity. He said, you know, what, we were scheduled to meet with the players on Sunday, and that's what we're going to do because the, the staff is kind of all out recruiting and everything right now. But I got a tweet from uh, from a USC fan, and I think it was a female. I think she said, uh, you know, shouldn't they just change that? Shouldn't they say, hey, we have to have a meeting this morning. We need to talk about this. And I thought that was a pretty good point that at this point, shouldn't you change things around? Maybe your recruiting schedule can wait. Because really what's going on with the team right now should take precedent. They need to do something to try to kind of fix that get your thoughts on that.
2: Well, I think they did in the Arizona state week. We all thought, gosh, they need to react to the Stanford game and they didn't. And they really underplayed things and things worked out. It was like, let's be cool. We're going to be fine. Everything's okay. We're not going to change stuff around and all that. And it, Absolutely, you know, turned out the way that game played out, and gosh, only knows whether there's a connection between how they prepared for it, uh, other than the fact that they did talk about and emphasize the whole turnover thing and takeaways, and uh, and that's how that game played out. So I think they definitely uh, have a tendency, Sark does, to try to keep things cool, he's got a history of, you know, after these terrible losses, you know, he's got a history of coming back and winning the next game. So there is kind of a confidence level, you know, with him on the bounce back. Now we'll see, uh, you know, as you said, he also had a nine and one record in after bye weeks. Yeah. And now it's nine and (laughs) two. So history doesn't always, uh, you know, tell you where you're going to go. Uh, you know, they did have the fact that they did have them, I mean, those kids don't have, the you know, the morning classes, so you think they might have had, had the opportunity, but I guess there are times when you say, you know, they're better off getting away from this. This is so, you know, we don't need to keep going back there uh, and let them have Friday, Saturday off and see if they can come back fresh. They're going to get another extra day to get ready for Notre Dame, so, You know, that's the good thing with a Sunday practice. So I'm sure that's their calculation, whether that's the right calculation or not. As Sark said in the conference call, it's a formula that everybody's trying to figure out. And he had to admit, he said, I'm not dodging the question. I just, I'm still trying to figure it out. I know there are people who will object to that and say, you know, you're a, you know, seventh year of the big time college football coach as a head coach. Um, maybe you ought to have that figured out by now, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, see where this all goes. But again, you know, when you get second guessed on whether you should have or not have a meeting, uh, on a day off, you know, you're probably in some serious trouble.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, let's jump into some of these questions we have. Uh, so I think the plan, I'll just let people know. Um, we got a whole bunch of questions coming in. I'm sure we're going to get more. It's just as soon as I like write some of these down or copy them to my little word documents, I I seem to get a whole bunch more in the inbox. So we're going to have Dan on. We'll try to have uh, Harvey Hyde over the weekend sometime with different schedule. I might do a solo one and just kind of play some of the voicemails. We get tons of voicemails, like all the people's rants. So maybe I'll just do a solo one a little bit later on too. And we'll definitely try to have some other, uh, national guests on talking about, you know, Steve Sarkeesian because there was I, I cut at least three Dan um, columns, national columnists that were calling for Sark's head, and uh, you know, so it's it's not just the fans, uh, the national media is, is calling for it too. I don't know if I've ever seen something like that, like a unanimous, like, yep, USC just hired the wrong guy, they should move on. It was just kind of the the sentiment last night after the game.
2: Yeah, I've never seen that. I mean, we're talking about a night game, a late night game if you're East Coast time for the, some of those guys. And they're writing absolutely, I mean, you know, USA Today comes out, Dan Wilkins with a, uh, not only, you know, Sark's got to go, but he's got the new hire and Chip Kelly, you know. uh, Pete Thamel uh, just going back to the Sark and Peterson uh, situation. And, you know, Washington gets Peterson uh, and USC doesn't get him. And, you know, kind of mocking USC for you got the, you know, bad end of that deal. And, uh, and then Stuart, you know, Mandel and Fox just came right out and, you know, said that, that, that if USC ever wants to be USC again, they can't be that with Sark. He I mean, was just flat out. Yeah. He's, just, he's not the guy. I, I've never seen that. I, not that instantaneous. I mean, maybe over the next week or something, you might see it play out in all the different media. I mean, I think, you know, tune in to, you know college game day tomorrow and um and see what they have after you know a couple of days to digest this uh they've been pretty positive until you know more more positive than not and 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 i'll be interested to see how that thing turns around uh, uh in terms of you know herb street and corso and uh, and, you know, the different, you know, guys, I guess Pollock and, um, uh, boom, boom, boom. who else is out here? Uh, Pollock and, um, Desmond Palmer, Howard and, were here. Oh. Yeah. So, so how that all goes, uh, I'm not optimistic.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. So, Stuart Mandel wasn't at the game, but he's in California, he's up north. Um, Pete Thamel, who wrote one of those columns, was at the game, and I talked to him before the game. I talked to him at halftime, and we were kind of scratching our heads like, what's going on? But I never got the impression he was writing a Sark's gotta go column. But, you know, obviously that changed as the, as the game went on, you kind of saw what was going on. And it's funny, Jana pointed out, my wife was watching, um, you know, the Twitter and stuff after the game, and Dan Wolken from, or Wolken from, uh, USA Today, he had his column up like, 10 minutes or something after the game ended, like, full-on, Sark's the wrong guy. And so he had to be working. That was
2: pretty amazing. I mean, I, I was. it was like you almost can't do that on deadline unless you really got an idea at halftime. That's where you're going. And he must have decided, you know, I'm going there now. Uh, when, you know, when the 17 to 6, I guess he, he was going there, And he's probably thinking twice when it's seventeen to twelve and USC's got the ball back and running it pretty well, and then and then they stop running it and he's (laughs) he's saying to himself, "Whoa, am I lucky?" And I can write this same, I can keep writing this column, yeah. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, But uh, honestly, I've never seen it before. Never seen it on a on a late night game like that. I don't I don't know that anything like that's ever happened where it's just this unanimous. Uh, that's uh, that was that's shocking yeah. that, that they all came to that same mm-hmm. conclusion. Uh, boom, just like that. Now, what what that probably tells you is just as USC fans have had this kind of turmoil in their minds since the you know the whole selection process. I would guess that tells you some of these national guys have had their minds kind of made up about this for a while. And, you know, the Stanford game got them thinking and then, you know, they saw last night and it just, you know, reaffirmed everything that they've been thinking. Because mostly you don't write those kinds of things on the spur of the moment from one game.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, the, the fans obviously uh, kind of agree with the national columnist out there. There's a lot of, uh, you know, people that are upset with what's going on. And so I'll play you this first. Voicemail, not very happy with Steve Sarkisian. Here you go.
0: Hey, uh, this message is for anybody who wants to take it. Chris from Fontana calling. Uh, Long-time listener. Haven't called in a while. Enough is enough is enough. Um, Sark has got to go. USC needed a hero tonight. They needed a hero and a coach. They didn't get it, and they needed a hero and a quarterback, and they didn't get it. Um, I know Cody's been great this year statistically, but he – in my opinion, is not a quarterback you can hang your hat on when, when the team needs it the most. That's just what I've seen over the past couple of years. Um, Sark, uh, you know, and his coaching staff, you can blame Sark or the whole staff. I mean, it doesn't really matter. These guys are not getting up for these games. There's no reason they should be losing to a Washington, uh, team at home. I don't care how good their damn defense is. Um, you know, going for, uh, the, uh, the, uh, field goal at the end of the game instead of just, uh, Going for it and trying to get the touchdown right then and there. Once again, a conservative, soft approach, not gonna get it done. Um I was a Sark, you know, apologist. Um I, I had faith in him, but uh I, I think this is this was just the final blow. Um I, I really think he's gotta go. Um somebody needs to come in, grab this program by the horns and uh steer it in the right direction and start getting some wins. There's too much talent for this to be happening. Love the podcast guys, uh listen to you guys every week. Uh, fight on anyway and until next week boys bye
2: yeah i mean i think that's the the question is if you look at i mean there are people at usc who who will argue that usc has the you know greatest college football tradition uh i mean i i'm trying to think who did the 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 survey and they they added up all the kinds of points you get for hall of famers and the nfl and number one draft and overall draft pick, all, and, uh, uh, and national championships and what have you. And there's at least one that says USC is number one, uh, you know, in the history. But you, whether you say, you know, USC is or Notre Dame is or Alabama is, you know, they're in the top three uh, all time. And uh, if you're USC, I think you absolutely must have a coach who people Kind of just recognized as one of the top handful of coaches in college football. And when USC does have one of those guys, they win national championships. It's that simple. You know, Pete Carroll is that guy. You didn't know who he was at the time he got here, and then he was that guy. You win national championships. John McKay, the same thing. They didn't know when they got him. They didn't know the first couple of years, but he was that guy, and he was a kind of a transformative guy in college football. And, uh, and he, uh, you know, he won national championship. Um, so if USC has the guy, uh, they're going to win. And there are people who think they didn't go out and get the guy. And there aren't many of those guys. I mean, winning at the very top level of college football is really hard to do. I mean, there are so few people that can do that. And you probably can't you know go for anybody less than that i mean look at the 90s with usc with that you know run of coaches when they didn't go out and get the best guy and uh, and that's you know that's the question i mean you know whether you agree with athlon or not uh at the beginning of the year before you know in the summer with their you know magazine when they came out and ranked the you know the 12 pack 12 coaches and sark was ranked ninth you can't be the head coach at USC and be ranked ninth. Well, whether that's a fair ranking or an unfair ranking, you can't be that guy and be at USC. It just doesn't match. Still, remember, first time we went to a Michigan Penn State game. Covered actually was working in Pennsylvania, and I remember it was at the height of Joe Paterno's success, and and you're standing there on the field. Uh, before the game, uh, you know, in the big house, and you're looking over at Michigan, and you say, wow, they've got the most wins all time in college football. Some people would say they've got the best uniforms in college football. Some people would say they've got the best fight on. At the time, they had the biggest stadium in college football. And I said, and I look over, and I said, but their coach is Gary Muller. <laughs> I said, what's wrong with this picture? You know, you can have those other things all going for you, but your head coach is Gary Muller, uh, and I'm looking at Penn State, and I said, they don't have the uniforms, they don't have this and that, but they got Joe, and Joe was really, really coaching it up then, and his staff and all, you know, before all the other stuff happened. And it, it was, an, you know, it was a, kind of an easy win for Penn State. It was their first time, you know, at Michigan. And it really, really matters. You've got to have a guy that matches your program. Uh, see what happened at Alabama when they got Nick Saban. I mean, what happened at Ohio State when they got Urban Meyer? I mean, this isn't rocket science. You get a good coach at those, you know, handful of schools, you're going to be very, very good. And you say, oh well, easier said than done, but you got to do it you got to make that effort to say we're going to get the very best person possible for this job, and, and that's the thing. You know, Sark wants to be that guy or wanted to be that guy. He's got to convince people he is that guy.
1: That's a good point, Dan. We'll see going forward. We, we have more coaching stuff, too, but there are some other questions I wanted to get to. Melvin wanted to know, besides Sue Craven's, Who else do you think could step up and be a leader to help this team? Uh, And he said, again, we cannot come from behind. So who can lead this team, lead USC in those fourth quarter moments to give us a chance to win from Melvin?
2: Well, I mean, here's the problem, for example. Let's say you had the best running back in the history of college football in that game in the fourth quarter. If you ask him to do nothing but pass blocks, what did is that I mean that's part of the problem I mean and this was always the problem I still remember how often say when Lane was the coach and you kept thinking well they got this they got this they got this they got that but there's Lane and <laughs> you say they'll be all right if Lane does this or that or figures this out but if he doesn't and if you end up Getting yourself in situations where you say, "Who could lead this team?" The coach has to lead the team, really. You know, Sue. For example, Sue is sitting on the sidelines when they're not running the ball. I mean, there's nothing Sue can do about that. You know, even if he were in the game, playing both ways, you'd have to give it to him. Uh, so, I think that's the problem. As much as anything is. You gotta have guys doing the right things. For example, last night, you know, as hard as the Dory Jackson tried, um, you know, he tried to do everything he could think of. Um, you know, they weren't I mean, why they weren't able to get anybody open, I mean, maybe they had a couple of times where Cody really missed somebody downfield, but there wasn't much of that. There I mean, they were getting pressure on the quarterback and uh able to pretty much shut down the wide receivers, I mean they just that was an amazing performance by their defense, but it again you know they're 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 a younger team than u s c is, and for them, you know for washington to be able to perform like that uh was kind of shocking, and that u s c doesn't seem to be able to reach that level you know on defense i mean people say, well, you know they don't have the same kind of d line that they've had or that I guarantee you they've got as good a D-line as Washington has, and their linebackers are as good as Washington, or their secondary is as good as Washington. Now, the injuries didn't help, but um, there's a performance thing that's just not happening, yeah. and, um, and that goes to the coach. So I think it's really hard to try to say, we're going to find a player to lead us. Um, and, that, and And the fact that Cody was off for whatever reason, it just—it was stunning. I mean, for those who go to practice, he had nothing but good practices this week. Everything looked good. And then, you know, from the first play of the game, he looked as off as he's ever looked. I mean, he didn't ever look that off when he was, uh, you know, in a, in a quarterback battle with Wittick when they were out there sharing time. Yeah. He didn't ever look that out of it. Uh, I, I, you can't even describe what was going on, and I don't think he knew. He couldn't explain it after the game, and and Sark couldn't explain it. And I don't think we've got any good answers about that.
1: Let's uh, go to another voicemail, Dan, and uh, hear some more what USC fans have to say. Here we go.
3: Hi, guys. This is uh, Don Don calling from New York City, um, fight on from the East Coast. This question is for Coach Dan Weber. Uh, Dan, does it seem to you that – Coach seems like he's pretty much um, overthinking this. Um, The last two games that we played against Stanford and Washington, it seems like it wasn't the players that made the mistake. It seemed like the coaches. Um, It just seems like the the lights are too bright for Sark out here. And it seems like, you know, it's different when you're offensive coordinator, but now that you're a head coach, you pretty much have to make all the choices. You know, it was obvious that he had to make the call based on Cody Kessler seemed like he was rattled all night by that Washington defense. And it just seemed like if you gave Ronald Johnson maybe two more carries, he was going to bust one for about 60 yards or 40 yards or 20 yards, which he did do one time. And he just ran from it Um, or stopped doing it. And, you know, that's what I meant by ran by, I apologize, but he just stopped doing it. So it just seems like to me um, the coaches are losing this game for us, you know, these last two games and uh that's pretty much it, but thank you guys. You guys are doing a great job. Uh keep it up. Uh fight on from the East Coast all day every day. Take care. Bye.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a good observation from the East Coast uh, to say the least. Uh and and start can't really tell you for example Uh, as we asked in the the conference call, why did you stop running? Why did you get, you know, uh, you know, you go three and out basically, uh, you know, and throw the ball three times when, you know, you you had plenty of time could have scored game would have been over. And, um, just, and, 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 in a game where you're not getting anybody open, uh, not much where they're getting lots of pressure on Cody and Cody looks a little, you know, a little bit rattled. So, uh, um, we really don't have a good answer as to why, you know, and, You know, Sark will say, yeah, now he looks back at it, and Cody got sacked on. They were third and six. And the fact, they just lose three yards, but that cost them the field goal. I mean, so the field goal, you know, three yards closer, he'd at least hit the field goal. But, you know, Sark said now, yeah, I I would have probably run on third and six. Uh, again, you know, they, they completed a pass. Uh, that got the four yards, but they also, you know, had an incompletion and then a sack. So, you know, they threw the ball three times, and two things, uh you know, didn't work out very well, and one was just for four yards. I mean, I was thinking last night, I don't think I've ever seen a situation. They got the ball down to the 11-yard line, and it's uh, 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 Trey Madden getting nine yards. And so now it's second and one at the 11, and they throw the next two plays they pass the ball, and they complete two passes, and it, no penalties, and it ends up fourth and one on the 11. <laughs> I mean, when's the team ever done that? Where you you know you got one yard to go, you complete two passes, and you still have one yard to go. Uh, you know, just the thought that those are the passes you're half in to throw, half in to complete. You just. You know, and, and you run games going well. You know, you've got uh, Ronald Jones averaging, I guess, 8.1 yards, you know, and, and Trey averaging 7.1 yards a carry. They're telling you what to do. I mean, basically, you know, Washington is giving you your game plan. They're, you know, with what they're doing, the way they're stopping the wide receivers and the way they're getting pressure on Cody, and you're running the ball well, That's not hard. that's not a hard call that that's one of those ones where you don't have to make a call on the sidelines. The other team's making it for you. You just do it. You know, you say, okay, fine. Thank you. Thank you very much. Here's what we're going to do. Yeah. And especially if you think not him in your center, uh, your possible, you know, all American center, Max Turk in there, and that's causing you some problems. didn't seem to cause them any problems in the run game. I mean, they were running the ball. You know, up the middle there, and I thought Toa and and Vianney and those guys, and and when you talk to them, they were really proud of how they ran the ball. And they, you ask them, what do you think about when they went away from the run? And they kind of look at you like, I don't know why we did that. You know, they, they don't have a good answer. Yeah. Uh, and no one does. But, um, yeah, I, uh, Sark doesn't have a good answer. And, um, but, that's that's know, part of the problem. Just, yeah, this <laughs> can't go away from when they're, huh. and, and, and again, Stark says, well, you know, at times you're asking me why we, you know, why we can't run the ball, and now you're asking why we can't pay. All you want is uh, for them to do what's available and what they're doing well. And, and last night that was running the ball, and if they could have run the ball in, you're in four down zones. In their territory already. So it's, it's befuddling that they went away from the run.
1: Befuddling. I like that, Dan. Um, yeah. Stephen Poway has a thought here. He said, uh, sad night in USC football history. Another collapse, but this one was worse than the Stanford game. An unranked, unranked opponent that also had an anemic offense, but ours was just worse. Very little to cheer about here. I think Sark must be thinking, quote, karma's a bitch, unquote, after bailing out on Washington and bringing his entire staff with him, leaving the cupboard bare. They look like the lesser of the two evils tonight. Question. The passing game was not working. Cody just seemed off. Dory seemed off. The schemes were off, trying to run uh, the wheel route with Dory going to the left side rather than the right side of the field, et cetera, et cetera. So why not try to establish the running game, which actually showed promise in the early going? Uh, related to this, I was really impressed with some of Vanuku's blocking tonight when he was in a fullback. Why not keep him in and, and drive more huge holes for the speedier backs? I literally felt sorry for the defensive player he pancaked early in the game tonight. It's going to be a long season, I'm afraid. I have no confidence in this team right now. Steve and Poway.
2: Yeah, Steve, I think I, I overlooked the uh, fullbacks. The fullbacks were right there with the offensive line, you know, trying to figure out why they went away from the run game and how much they would have loved to, you know, keep pounding it. And, um, the, again, uh, we've got no answer. And, that, and that's a that's also, I think, a difficult issue for the coaches because you're going to have to, when you do have that Sunday meeting, I, I mean, those kids have questions. Why, you know, If you think you as a fan have questions, what do you think of as a player? Well, you're one of those offensive linemen. You're one of those fullbacks, and you're thinking, why did we not do what we were obviously doing well? Uh, why did we go away from that? And again, that's the the big puzzle, uh, you know, from last night's game. And it still, it carries over, you know, from the game that I can't get out of my mind from a year ago at Utah when they're, you know, they've got the lead, they've got the ball on the 27-yard line with three minutes to go, third and two, and they try two trick plays. Not Two running plays, not keeping the clock going. Two trick plays, both of which stop the clock, uh, and neither of which worked. And uh, I, I, you know, overthinking, you know, under, under, not understanding. I, I, I just don't know. But uh, man, it's uh, it's tough because you feel sorry, and this is, was hard last night talking to those kids because they really don't get it. They, they. They know what happened. They just don't understand why. How did this happen to us? Why did this happen? And uh, there aren't a lot of good answers.
1: There are not, and we're looking for them. And that's why the people are sending us the questions. We'll do our best to try to answer them as much. But it's uh, we're we we see this team. We've seen this team quite a bit, and we're all you know probably as baffled as most of you are. Dana Tustin wrote in. Dan, uh, he said, "It's time to cut down the Pete Carroll coaching tree." Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian's all offense all the time without regard to defense has clear, clearly failed USC and it's time to move on. While there's no denying they can both recruit, uh, there's also no denying they cannot be successful as head coaches. The main difference between Carroll and these two pretenders is defense uh, Was uh, for Pete was preeminent. Defense under Kiffin and Sarkeesian was an afterthought. I followed USC for 50 years and I'm personally sick and tired of watching the pass-happy helter-skelter offenses these two serve up. Uh, these guys think they're a norm child. Believe me, uh, they are not only... Uh, I'm sorry. Believe me, they are only... They are not only... I don't know. It doesn't make sense. They're only a cheap facsimile is what he's trying to say. Uh, we need to go back to tough-as-nails defenses, intimidating running games, and throw when we need to throw, maybe even to one of those extinct beasts called a tight end. Hold on to your hats, boys. The remainder of the year is not going to be pretty. Dan and Tustin.
2: Well, from one Dan and Tustin to another <laughs> Dan and Tustin, uh, tight ends, are, are tight ends allowed to catch the ball? I thought they were, they're really, you can actually throw the ball to a tight end. Huh. Who knew? Uh, you learn something every day, right? Um, hmm. No, that actually, that I think that, I, I, you, you can't even imagine why they've gone. I know they think they need to have them blocking and they need to, uh, you know, but then, you know, um, run the ball if you're going to, you know, use your tight end as a, you know, as an eight-back or, uh, or a tackle. But, um, yeah, I, I think the physicality, you know, they've talked about getting more physical. It didn't look more physical last night. I think in the fourth quarter, the defensive line started looking more physical and actually playing more physical. And when you ask them, they didn't, they said they weren't doing anything different, I, but, you know, it, it certainly was different. And it was just, was it just attitude, uh, just the crowd getting involved and all that? I don't know, but uh, uh one of the problems that, the, you know, that they had was that the ability of Washington on the first couple of downs to get four and five yards and have, you know, third and short. And a lot of that involved just, you know, taking USC's D-line D and driving it. And uh, there was a reason, you know, Cameron Smith, had, you know, a team leading 12 tackles, is very often he was the first guy to even make contact. Uh, you know, when they're running that, you know ball straight ahead, um, they weren't meeting any resistance until the second level. And that can't happen. You've got to, you know, whether you know, they can't, they don't have the personnel to play the three, Four is probably the case, uh, whether you need to be able to go up there and, you know, play, you know, four down. But uh, teams certainly seem to have figured out some things on film against USC. And I, I guess what's so disheartening is Washington comes in here young, not much expected of them, and they play exactly, they had a personality on offense and defense, they executed, they knew exactly what they wanted to do, how they wanted to win that football game, and they won the football game exactly the way they had to. If you'd have put down a score and said, what kind of a score would it probably have to be for Washington to win? It would have been like a 17 to 14, 17 to 12 score. It's exactly how it turned out. And how were they able to exert their will on a USC team playing at home with a lot more talent? Uh, that's the, the question that we keep trying to answer.
1: We have uh, one more voicemail question for you and then a couple of just regular ones. I'll play this voicemail right now. Here you go, Dan.
4: Dan Weber, uh, JD from D.C. Dan, in the aftermath of last night's debacle, it seems to me the fans need to get a bit more realistic regarding coaching changes, however desirable. It's pretty clear to me that Sark will get a, Will never get an extension, but it's also pretty clear he will get this year and probably next year. Consider Acknowledging fully what we saw last night, and it isn't going to change, we're probably going to lose five, even six games. But unlike Kiffin, we're not going to get blown out, and Sark unlikely will lose the team. Notre Dame, Oregon, Utah, UCLA, these are not great teams. We have far too much talent and character on this team. Sark is trying to be a head coach. Wilcox has quietly shifted to a four-man front rush, and they are leaning heavily on the freshman. Players like this staff, and they're playing hard. There's going to be no tarmac firings, especially with the Hayden so deep with this hire. And then also, absent a proven head coach who can recruit and win in the Pac-12, why would Max Neckias let Pat Hayden, choose the next coach, and then retire? Max would take all the heat. Chip Kelly ain't coming back. Winning buyout is formidable. Shaw and Peterson are not coming to L.A. And even Graham seems a bit rough around the edges. Absent these guys, anyone else is a risk, unless their last name is Saban, Harbaugh, Meyer, or McKay. Plus, can USC be affording to pay two staff for an entire decade? The most likely scenario is Neckias needs. He's to name a new AD over the summer or next fall, and he is the fall guy if the next coach selection failed.
2: Yeah, I think, Katie, you know, makes a lot of good points. Uh, do you have, you know, the retiring uh, or soon-to-retire AD make this hire, uh, you know, in light of, of of the start hire and how that went? Uh, and, again, how much of that was, you know, who, who he had the final say on that in terms of, or how that process went. Um, and that is, that is the question. If there, you know, if it's, if it's going to that, uh, I do think there's a real question as to do you get next year, uh, is, and I, I think, as Sark said today, there's a lot of football to be played. And I think that's going to determine, you know, where next year fits into this picture. Um, uh, yeah, as far as the money, USC spent seven million dollars, uh wrote off seven million dollars in transition costs between what it cost to bring in this staff to buy out, you know, some of the people, and to, you know, pay off some of the people who were, you know, uh an Ed Argeron, a Clancy Pendergast, a John Baxter, those guys all, you know, were getting uh, you know, paid off by USC, Uh, You were buying out Wilcox's contract at Washington. Uh, But I think the bottom line was that cost them $7 million. Uh, You probably wouldn't want to get into that situation again. Uh, Although, you know, if push comes to shove, uh, much the way what might happen at Texas will happen with a booster, you know, offering to underwrite uh, certain costs if they really feel – you know, strongly enough that something drastic has to happen. Uh, I mean, I think there are ways you can get around the money situation. I think the biggest part of the money situation for USC coming up is how are they going to raise the hundreds of millions of dollars for the Coliseum renovation? I mean, I think that's a real, something that really impacts uh, the president's decision Uh, Pat Hayden's decision, you know, Pat's kind of committed to raising those, you know, as much as $500 million. Um, How do you do that in this current climate? Or, you know, can you do that in this current climate? So so I think that one may impact, you know, as much as anything. And And I agree, there aren't always those coaches that you saw. I thought last year there really weren't the kind. I mean, everybody had something going on. This year, I think there are some people who, who you could look at and say, you know, it's hard to, you know, fault this guy or it's hard to fault that guy. Last year, it, it just didn't seem like, you know, the selection or the year, you know, like, technically, I guess, two years ago, didn't seem like, you know, the availability was there. Uh, but, um, but I think you have a sense of who might be able We've fought so much. One of the things, I think USC and the fans have thought so much about what it takes to be successful with this job. They looked at it through the Lane Kiffin years. They looked at it you know, through the NCAA sanctions. They looked at it through Ed Orgeron's transition year. They've looked at it through the SARC hiring process in his first two years now. And I think there's a whole lot of focus on um, how this has to go. And my guess would be it will not be like, you know, kind of a closed process the way it was the last time where, you know, where they really didn't go out and and didn't do, you know, they'll probably still, you know, you would still have Corn Fairy go out and and do the things they do, whether that actually means anything or that's just a cover. I don't know. But uh, um, I think J.D. might be overstating, the possibility of something happening because there are a lot of things that are involved in this, and uh, and I, again, I just don't know where all the pressure points are.
1: One last one for you, Dad from Tarek. Uh, he want to know about Damian Mama. He says, "Does Damian Mama need to lose even more weight? He looks slow when he pulls a majority of the time." Simple one from yeah. You know, he
2: has gotten down to three forty, and he has he's serious. He's he's trying to lose more, so. Uh, I know when you say three forty down to three forty, but uh, yeah, he's. I would have thought, as athletic as he was when he was pushing, you know, four hundred, that you get him down to three forty, and and that's going to make a big difference. I I haven't noticed as big a difference as maybe I thought I would I would see, and again, some of that. This uh this offensive line surprises me in that they still look a little lumbering and they still look a little bit like they've got some freshmen in them. And, and, and they're, you know, I know teams are taking advantage and shooting the gaps and running behind, but, uh for example, last night they really ran the ball well and yet they had a ton of blown-up plays. Eleven tackles for losses, Washington got. That's really unacceptable, especially with the quality of USC's running backs and the plays they were able to make. So is that is that scheme? Is it execution? Is it players just maybe aren't athletic? And I know, we um, uh, was talking about it this week, I guess Toa was talking about how one of the reasons they did want to get them to lose some weight was so that they could run a stretch play and that they could be athletic enough to block it. And it's not man on man. You're you know, you're basically zone blocking and moving. And uh, you know, is that something that this team has to say, you know what, maybe that's not perfectly suited for us. Maybe we need to do more man on man stuff and maybe we need to do more, you know, and get away obviously they pretty much seem to you know get away from the stretch play. But uh you know, I would like to see them take a real hard look at the design of the run game. Uh, and be able to take advantage of all those big athletic guys and, and their stable of running backs. I mean, maybe this is a team that, you know, needs to, to, to go in a, a different direction to say, you know, to some extent, just because of the number of, I mean, they weren't able to keep pressure off Cody. They weren't able to get, keep, uh, you know, from 11 tackles for losses. So something's wrong. Yeah. I mean, they're not, they're not. They're not getting it all right. And, you know, they've got to get it all right. This is an impossible game to win at, at the level college football is being played at right now if you don't get things pretty much exactly the way you need them to be. Washington did last night. This is amazing. And USC didn't even come close. Yeah. And uh, that's what happens.
1: I want two points on the offensive line, Dan. I wanted to make one. um, I do agree with you on the scheme wise. It's some of the running plays, like the quick stuff up the middle seem to work pretty well. A lot of the outside stuff to me seems very slow developing. And if you watch, you can, if you kind of, if you can see the defense, it's not just about the point of attack and the, the blocks that are being made by the offensive line, but it seems like there's people filling in the gaps, you know, frequently and right away when you're doing a lot of those wide runs. And so it seems to me like it's just kind of slow developing. They're allowing the defense to kind of catch up to them. And you just don't have enough guys to block everybody. Sometimes you don't block it well either. But even when you got a, a hat on every hat uh, that you can and you, you make a good block, there's still more guys coming in that they've kind of seen the play develop and they know it's coming. So I want to get your thoughts on that. And the other one was, you know, Steve Sarkeesian on the conference call today, he said he didn't want to make an excuse about Max Turk being out and that's what was going on. But if you watch, as soon as Turk came out of the game – They moved Toa Lobendon to center. They ran the football right down the field and they, you know, they ran the ball well after that. I, I don't think, I think they feel confident, you know, with the seven or eight guys that they kind of were using the rotation. Yeah. I mean, you, you, ideally you want your starting, you know, all American candidate center in there, but it didn't seem to me that if you're, if you're trying to go and run the football, having Toa Lobendon in there didn't seem to hurt them.
2: No, not on the run game. It was pretty obvious. Uh, You know, I thought they executed it really well i thought the timing uh you know w- was excellent i mean it's obvious linebackers are reading que- you know uh cues and keys whatever and uh if usc starts to run that stretch play they're flying through uh whatever gap they could get and trying to pursue from the backside. and they're just running guys down i mean it's just and and guys are selling out and i think they uh, you know people have gone to school on back-to-back stanford and arizona state and uh and and, and and what you have to do, you have to hurt people. You have to make them. If you're going to be a linebacker and basically just you know leave your area, you've got to run stuff. You know, you got to run counters. You got to run you know other things. Uh, or if the guy's you know looking for that you know the stretch play and he's just, well, then run something quick and, and get up there. You know, before he's ready to you know if they've got him you know geared up to run you know run through gaps and, and pursue from the backside. But I don't know that they do that enough or they don't stick with it once they do it. And, you uh, know, I mean, Ronald Jones, I mean, obviously after the one drive, all you wanted to do in the entire stadium wanted to see him get the ball more. You know, keep giving it to him. And um, that that didn't happen, um, there, There's, um I think they really have to go over, you know, what's happening on the sidelines, what's the communication like, what is the ability to adjust in the flow of the game and to say, you know what, we don't need to do that other stuff. They can't stop this. And until they stop this, we're not going to stop doing it. But you don't stop yourself. If they can't stop it, you just keep doing it. And, and that's probably one of the things that bothers fans the most is the other team doesn't even have to stop USC. USC stops USC.
1: Well, that was our emergency podcast on a Friday after a Thursday night game. Dan, we appreciate you, uh, coming on. It was a busy night for all of us staying up, you know, wee hours in the morning and, uh, kind of, you know, writing about this team and putting videos up about this team and talking about this team. So we wanted to do a podcast. And so thanks for everyone for sending their questions in. And thank you, Dan, for coming on on short notice.
2: Yeah. And those are good questions too. And, uh, uh, we'll let you know when we get some answers. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would you know this is one of those times you would love to be in the meetings and watching the watching the film and hearing what people are saying to one another when they're seeing what we think we're seeing uh what does it mean to them what does what what you know going forward, where do they go and And how do they decide here's who our team is going to be Here's how we're going to beat people. Here's how we win football games. Here's who we are. When push comes to show, we know who we are, and we know how we're going to beat you. And it was crazy that Washington had the answer to every one of those questions last night, and it didn't look like USC had the answer to any of those questions. How is that possible? That's the question.
1: That is the question. Well, we'll see. Uh, USC practices on Sunday, I believe, Dan, we'll be out there on Sunday Sunday morning, Sunday morning. So we'll we'll check that out and uh, we'll get you any more answers we can. But thanks so much, Dan, for coming on the show and everyone else. Thank you so much for tuning into our emergency edition of the Parastyle podcast on a Friday. We're going to have a bunch more. We'll have more podcasts and stuff coming up. So definitely check in over the weekend. We will keep producing these. Keep sending in your questions. We appreciate it all. And we'll talk to you next time.